Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, which is on page 516 in the Pew Bible. Now, in today's age where we all have electronics, it's common for people not to own an actual physical copy of the Bible. And if you are one of those people that don't have a physical copy of the Bible, we would love to give you one. We have uh, a stack of free Bibles that are out in the narthex out here. And so if you don't own one, pick one up afterwards and you can read it throughout the week. You can bring it to the service. You can take notes in it. Uh, We would love for you to do that because there is uh, really no other tool in the Christian life besides God's word that causes us to grow more consistently than reading God's word. Now, as we turn our attention to Psalm 121, the theme of traveling that we will see here in this psalm reminds me of the fear that I have for a certain type of traveling, which is flying. Although I've flown throughout my life from the time that I was a young child, and though I know that it is the safest way to travel, I still get very nervous every time I get on board. Put it this way, the fuselage of an airplane is home to some of my most fervent prayers. Again, I know I shouldn't feel this way. And I try to mask my anxieties. I try to close my eyes and pretend like I'm so relaxed I'm taking a nap. Or I read the magazines. But still, there's this primal feeling that being propelled at over 400 miles per hour at 20,000 feet in the air just isn't a safe place to be. You're completely out of control. And travel has always been a dangerous endeavor in this world. When you leave the protection And familiarity of home, you step out into a world that is filled with potential dangers. Sailors are tossed by storms. Trains can jump their tracks. Drivers swerve out of their lanes. If you ride a bike, you better wear a helmet because you might hit a pothole. Just by its very nature, traveling is filled with danger. And this was particularly true in ancient Israel. Being that Israel was a desert climate, the days would have been extremely hot, the nights extremely cold. There was potential for exposure, heat stroke, sunburn, or dehydration. Also, the terrain was filled with hills and steep cliffs, traveling up and down mountain pose, the danger of slipping off the side of a ledge or turning and injuring a knee or an ankle and being unable to make it to safety. There were wild animals that could attack and robbers who could hide and ambush unsuspecting travelers. You remember the way that the parable of the Good Samaritan begins? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Traveling was dangerous. As we come to Psalm 121... It seems that the occasion for the psalm is a benediction for those leaving the temple following a season of worship. You see, the pilgrims would have traveled for several tens, maybe hundreds of miles to come to Jerusalem. And now, after their week of worship, they're looking out over the road home, thinking of all the dangers that wait for them in the hills and valleys that separate them from their home. 
And they need assurance that as they travel home, the Lord will be with them. And that is what we will see in our psalm, is that as we travel the dangerous roads of life, the Lord promises that He will constantly watch over and protect all who trust in Him. So hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Guide us, we pray, O God, along the road of this life. We as Christian pilgrims need Your guiding hand and a word of assurance that You are truly with us and that You will walk with us down this road. And so would You, in this hour, speak to our hearts. We pray, O God, that by Your grace and by the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ that You would send forth Your Spirit upon us that the foolishness of preaching would result in lives changed, hearts renewed, that we would die and that we would be raised in Christ. It's in His name that we do pray. Amen. Anxiety concerning the road home is how our psalm begins in verse 1. Again, you could imagine looking out over the hills and valleys and feeling a bit out of control about what is going to happen on this journey home. What lies in wait behind the hills that are between me and home. And so we read in verse 1 again, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? I look out over this fearful journey and I think, who is going to help me home? This world is filled with unknown and potential dangers that can fill our hearts with fear. What will the next turn in the road bring? What will happen in the years ahead? There is a reality show that was fairly popular a few years back called Doomsday Preppers. Maybe you've seen this show. The premise of it is that they interview people who believe that the world is quickly coming to a catastrophic event for which they must prepare themselves and their families. And so you can imagine, they stockpile canned goods, they build underground bunkers, they get gas masks and machine guns and solar-powered generators. They are obsessed with thinking through every single contingency of the various doomsday scenarios and trying to mitigate their effects. 
And yet, no matter how hard they grasp for control, there is always more preparation that are needed to control the future. The reality is, we cannot prepare for all the variables of life in a broken world. And so we cry out, where does my help come from? You look out at the prospect of nuclear war or a meteorite destroying the earth and you wonder, where does my help come from? You read about the spread of the coronavirus and you ask, who will protect us? You think about the prospect of financial crisis, political turmoil, or natural disasters and you feel completely out of control. The world in general and your life in particular is not under your control. And that is scary. Where will your help come from? Now, as Christians, I hope that you know the right answer. Those who believe in the God of the Bible have a clear answer to this question, where does my help come from? And we see that in verse 2. For the pilgrim who asks, where does my help come from, answers his own question. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help in this world that is filled with uncontrollable dangers does not come from ourselves. It doesn't come from the device of any man. Our help comes from the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth. Now the title or the name Lord is the special name that God gave to the people of Israel to call Him. And it signified the unbreakable bond that existed between God and His people Israel. It was a special name that let them know that God was their helper. That He was in a relationship with them and that He could be trusted. Second, He is the Creator of heaven and earth. As the one who has made the heavens and the earth, He is the one who is in control of the heavens and the earth. He is in control of all things. In the ancient world, the surrounding nations would have worshipped a variety of gods, which each controlled different aspects of creation. You would have had a god for the sea, another for the sky. You would have a god of the earth and another of the sun. But the truth of God's Word teaches us that there is only one true God and that He made everything and He is in control of everything. As we look out upon life's journey, there is naturally fear of the unknown and the uncontrollable. This includes travel, but also school, jobs, family, health, retirement. And as we see in these first two verses, the Christian pilgrim is not free from fear. There is this question, where will my help come from? But we are grounded in the conviction that the Creator of all things is dedicated to care for and guide us along the path of life. One of the most powerful and relatable proclamations of faith comes from the mouth of a man who desired his son to be healed by the Lord Jesus. When he was asked if he believed that Jesus could heal his son, he said, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
And in so many ways, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 121 are like this. For the man has fear. Where will my help come from? But I believe, I believe that my help comes from the Lord. So often the faith of a pilgrim is true faith, and yet it is weak faith. It is a faith that needs assurance. It is a faith that trembles to take the next step in life. Nevertheless, the step is taken. In our psalm, the traveler asks, where does my help come from? And he answers his own question. It comes from the Lord. Yet now in the following verses, as we return to this scene where the pilgrim is about to head out from the worship service, we see now that the priest would have spoken over the pilgrims of Israel a word of benediction and assurance of faith. It has been noted that verses 3 through 8 of our psalm are an extended version of Aaron's blessing found in the book of Numbers, the blessing that you so often here given at the end of the service here at Rivermont. In particular, the first line of that blessing says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Now, in Psalm 121, we see what it means for the Lord to keep His pilgrims as they travel life's dangerous road. Six times over the next six verses, we see the word keep appear. You can look there at your text. Verse 3, He who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. The Lord is your keeper. Now what does this keeping look like? Well, first we see in verse 3, that it is the Lord who keeps you on the journey of life. And will not let your foot be moved. This is what I have called pebble providence. Pebble providence. So often we think of God's control of life in the big things. But what we see here is a picture of the Lord's providence over even the smallest stones that might cause your foot to slip. The Lord who keeps you knows the hairs on your head. He controls the life details of small birds like sparrows. And He will make sure that the gravel will not slip out from under your feet as you travel. His providence extends even to the smallest pebbles of life. Second, the Lord keeps us with an ever-watchful eye of protection. Verses 3 and 4, he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The gods of the nations would fall asleep. As parents, we can't watch our children 24 hours a day. We have to trust that the Lord will watch over them as they sleep because we need to sleep. But the Lord does not sleep. He is like the shepherd who keeps watch all night to ensure that no harm will befall his flock. Never does he take a moment off. He is constantly and continually ensuring that his pilgrim people are safe on their travels home. Third, we see that he is protecting and a refreshing presence to his people. 
Verses 5 and 6, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. What a relief it is to find shade when you're shriveling up under the heat of the sun. It's so refreshing to come under the shelter of a tree or the overhang of a rock. And the psalmist is saying that the Lord is a shade on your right hand. And that means that He is close to us. That His care and refreshing are constantly present with His pilgrim people. And this would have been so important at this time as you're traveling along the road home. For the sun will surely strike us if the Lord would not protect us. And finally, we see that His keeping is universal. There is nowhere you can go in this world in which the Lord is not present. Verses 7-8, through the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You see, in all areas of your life and at all times, the Lord is watching over you, keeping you safe within His providential care. As the Lord's pilgrims were heading out into a dangerous world, and the priest gives the great assurance that the sovereign God of the universe is keeping you safe. His providence controls every pebble. He never takes a break. He is close at hand in every aspect of your life is covered by His care. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what are God's works of providence? The answer is, God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. You see, this is the great assurance that we have from the Lord is that as we go into a world filled with uncertainty and fear, the Lord will keep us. The Lord is our shepherd. He will care for every one of his pilgrim people. And therefore, we must trust him at all times and in all situations. Now, this trust does not mean that we are, that there are not times when we are afraid. It doesn't mean that there are not times when I say I believe, help my unbelief. Rather, it means that as we walk through the valleys of life that are filled with fearful possibilities, we look to the Lord and we take the next step in the right direction of faith. Fear can so paralyze us that we are not willing to go forward. We're not willing to walk in obedience and trust. Maybe it's that we are called to share our faith even though we are nervous to do so. Maybe the next step is that we are called to pray out loud at a prayer meeting even though it might be embarrassing to us. Maybe the next step of faith is to to start family devotions even though you know it will be hectic. Maybe the next step in life is to sign yourself up for a mission trip, even though it might be dangerous. Maybe it's to serve in a part of town, but there you know that there is danger, but you need to trust the Lord. You see, the Lord is calling you to trust Him. To take the next step in faith. Whatever it is, God will keep you as a shepherd keeps his sheep. And so we must take the next faithful step home in obedience to the Lord. Throughout God's Word, the Lord in His protecting and caring role is pictured as a shepherd who keeps His sheep. 
In Isaiah chapter 40, we read, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them and gently lead those who are with young. Psalm 78, Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. As the shepherd of Israel, the Lord keeps his people. And yet, God's word teaches us that we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have run away from the shepherd. We have not taken that next step in faith, but we have gone astray. All we like sheep, we read in Isaiah 53, have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. You see, it was the Lord's intention to keep his people as a shepherd, but his people like sheep have run away from him and run away from his care. And so to keep His people, God the Father sent God the Son to rescue His sheep. Jesus came and declared of Himself in John chapter 10, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. You see, this is the greatest display of the Lord's purpose to keep His people. For we had rebelled against the Lord by our sin. We brought upon ourselves the penalty of death. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, went to the cross and laid down his life that we might be kept. Not just on the road to our earthly homes, but even more than that, on the road to our heavenly home. Even as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. You see, it is the work of the shepherd to keep the sheep. And even when we strayed the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down His life to keep us, to bring us back to Himself. Our psalm this week holds a special place in the life and history of Rivermont Presbyterian Church. As many of you know, Psalm 121 is painted right over here on the wall. And the dedication inscription says, in loving memory of Graham and Lena Gilmer, who served this congregation from 1923 to 1953, given by their children and grandchildren. Dr. Graham Gilmer shepherded Rivermont for 30 years as the senior pastor. He left a legacy of gospel preaching here at Rivermont. The Gilmer family recalls that whenever they would set out on a journey, that the family would gather together and they would recite Psalm 121 together to remind them that the Lord was present, that the Lord would protect them, As they drove across the state or they flew across the country, wherever they went, the Lord was with them. And maybe even in your family, the Lord is calling you to such practices as this. To read God's Word in those times of life when you need to be reminded. Even Psalm 121 as you go out on a journey. This psalm became such a central aspect of the Gilmer family life that when they were asked how Graham and his wife Lena might be remembered, Psalm 121 was the clear choice. And yet the promises of the psalm are not that the road will always 
be easy just because you read it or remember it before you head out. Nor that we will never come to turns in the road that seem to make no sense. For to travel through the hills of life means that there will be switchbacks. It means that there will be dead ends from which we must turn around. There is danger that we will encounter on this road home. There will be broken relationships that we did not expect to break. There will be diagnosis that we did not see coming. There will be jobs lost, children who rebel, cars that break down. But Psalm 121 does tell us that the Lord will keep us through it all. That there is nothing that can snatch us out of His hand. As we look out upon the uncertainty of life's journey, let us remember the words of John Newton's hymn, Begone Unbelief. In that hymn, he writes, Begone unbelief, my Savior is near, and for my relief will surely appear. By prayer let me wrestle And He will perform with Christ in the vessel. I smile at the storm. Though dark be my way, since He is my guide, tis mine to obey, tis His to provide. Though cisterns be broken and creatures all fail, the word He has spoken shall surely prevail. Since all that I meet shall work for my good, the bitter is sweet, the medicine is food. Though painful at present, will cease before long and then oh how pleasant the conqueror's song you see the traveling of the road of life can be fearful we don't know what will happen around each bend but we do know he who keeps us and therefore we can take the next step of obedience in life trusting in christ to watch over us each and every step. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come to You now in this time. We ask, Lord, that You would apply Your Word to our hearts so that we as pilgrims in this land may take the next step of faith that You have laid out before us. Or we look to the hills of this world and the hills of our lives and the uncertainties that we cannot prepare for. And yet we trust in You. For You do not sleep. You do not slumber. You do not take one moment off. You are up all through the night watching over us. You are protecting us throughout every single day. And therefore we trust You, O God, that You will safely lead all of us home. We pray this through Christ's holy name. Amen. If you would at this time stand as we come to profess our faith together, as we find written for us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, you find printed in your bulletin. We'll say this in unison. So I ask you now, Christian, what do we believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself 
and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.